All right, we're kind of semi back, everybody. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, this will be like a little kind of throne that we do before we come back with some episodes about The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm Scott. And I'm Brittany. And we are back with the film Cafeteria. And today we are talking about just one movie alone, which is Death Proof. Yes. Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Do I frighten you? Is it my scar? It's your car. At the Grindhouse. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. from 2007. Mm -hmm. Great, great movie year. It's always easy to forget (laughs) how amazing of a movie year it was. That, you know, this is also the same year where we have... No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood and Michael Clayton all these, in The Fall and all these other great films. But mm-hmm. then um, um, amongst all of these things, we also have Grindhouse, which came out, which included Planet Terror, directed by Robert Rodriguez and Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Um, I guess just to start with the Grindhouse experience itself. Mm-hmm. When did you see this movie for the first time? Ooh, probably around the time it actually came out, man. Uh-huh. Um, cause I was old enough to like, like know it. And cause I mean, this was just a few years after I graduated high school. Yeah. So yeah, I, I went to the theater to see it. I was at that yeah. age where I could like yeah. go and sit at the theater. And then I loved it so much because it did the double feature. Yep. And then I loved it so much that I actually ended up buying, buying it on Blu-ray. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, so my first time seeing this movie was opening weekend. Yeah. And I went to see it. Uh, I had actually skipped school. It mm-hmm. wasn't even opening weekend. It was actually opening day. Oh. It was the Friday awesome. that it opened. <laughs> and I actually skipped school and went to see it. And it was me and like three or four other dudes all in their 40s <laughs> who all obviously took the day off for the yeah. new Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. This was still video stores were not gone mm-hmm. yet. They were on their way out, but you could tell that everybody who was in the theater with me worked at a blockbuster to some degree or another, (laughs) either currently or had before. Yeah. And it was just us. Mm -hmm. And I got that crazy wild experience. Yeah. So when you first saw it, did you, did you have like kind of like a a knowledge of like the history of double features in general like in terms of what they were replicating no not really but you know you love movies and sometimes even if you don't always do the deep background work Mm -hmm. on finding out the history you kind of just love it anyway yeah and i thought i just thought it was awesome i never ever tried to look at it look into it more and go why are they doing it this way yeah i just thought that was something that was just creative and different that they wanted to do for their movie. I didn't look into it much at all. No. So for me, this was kind of cool because I had been obsessed with and reading about, but also hearing stories from, you know, like just older people in general, whether it was my dad or at the time I was uh, uh, working at the high museum for the film department. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed a lot of the exploitation movies. And in particular around that time, I was really enjoying a lot of like the stuff that, that Jack Hill was doing. You know, he had done coffee and he did uh switchblade sisters and a few other movies. And I, I really enjoyed a lot of his stuff and was kind of getting into him getting really heavily into Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading about what AIP was and was like, this sounds so cool that they were doing these double features. And all of a sudden, as I'm getting into all this stuff, this movie comes out. Mm-hmm that is a total ode to all of it. And that mm-hmm. was like the most exciting thing in the whole entire world to me. Mm-hmm. The thing that really blew me away though, was the fact that were you conscious of the fact that nobody else saw this movie? No. Cause what do you mean that no one else saw them? Like, so this movie was a box office failure. Oh, I see. And, I did not realize and, that. And I, should I mean, say, cause at the time he came out, that's why I say you got to understand the yeah. time he came out. I was not paying attention to those things I, because I could care less who else was watching it. I yeah. just loved it. So, like, I didn't really realize because by the time I had people to talk to about it and everything, like, they had either seen it in the theater or they had seen it on video. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, Grindhouse was just that thing that was like, oh, so cool, you should go. And everyone was like, yeah, it sounds like your kind of thing. Like, yeah, cool, good for you, buddy. And then... Uh, the few other people that were around me that would have actually seen it, they weren't really going to school with me anymore. So then also I saw them over the summer. By then, we were talking about it. Got you. Okay. But in my head, it never really actually clicked that they didn't see the movie and that the movie kind of failed at the box office. So it wasn't until a little bit after the movie came out that I was really aware that, oh, this movie was kind of a failure. That nobody really went and saw. Yeah. And then it's largely been, I'm not going to say necessarily disowned by Quentin, but it's pretty much been disowned by Quentin. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like he, he did an interview, uh, I think maybe like five or six years back where he was like, that's the worst movie I've ever made. Mm-hmm. And has talked about like how he really felt like everything kind of collapsed for him. And he really was grasping at straws and ready to do, and Glorious Bastards after this movie because of the fact that he felt like it was such a box office failure. Whereas Rob Rodriguez like doubled down on it and was like, nah, man, we're making Machete. Yeah. We're making Machete too. <laughs> how I feel is like, I don't think it should matter. If you know yeah. that you've given it your all and you love it yourself, who cares? And I get to the industry it should care, right? Yeah. To the people that funded you the money that yeah. invested in this. But you yourself, as the person that was the creator of, I don't think I would care. Like, even if I never voiced it out loud, secular, I would not care. I would be yeah. like, yes, I love it. Like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't download my own stuff if I really cared about it that much. Because evidently it was a project that he cared about enough to put that much time and effort yeah. and all those things into. Yep. So then to later say you don't care can be sometimes of a bummer. Because you know what? It's almost like... Well, I think sometimes what artists don't realize that sometimes it's a kick in the face of the people who did love it. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, oh, oh. Yeah. So should I not love your movie now because yeah. you don't love it? Like, so why am like why do I like it this much? Yeah. Like, it's so, so sometimes you got to understand that even if a lot of people didn't see it, 
there were still people that saw it. So they loved it enough. They really love it. Yeah. And so I would, I just went down everything yeah. when other people still love it. Even if it's a small group of people, people still love it. Yeah. One of my favorite things about, um, I'm not a Joe Rogan podcast fan, mm-hmm. but I did go back and listen to his interview with Joe Rogan ahead of this. And one of my favorite things about it is the fact that it's very, very obvious that Joe Rogan loves this movie. And had no idea that Quentin disowned this movie to some degree or another. So, like, he's just talking about it, having a blast. And Quentin's just kind of, like, sort of ready to move on. Oh, no. (laughs) That's the worst. And I I actually really enjoyed that aspect of it. I mean, it seems funny, right? But that just seems like a horrible time for the people involved. really enjoys this aspect of it because if I were to sit down with Quentin (laughs) for an hour and talk to him... The movie of his that I would want to talk to him the most about would be this one. Yeah. And I do think that outside of Jackie Brown, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this mm-hmm. is my favorite yeah, of his films. Yeah, me too. Me too. Outside of those two, because those two are some of my favorites as well. Yeah. So. Like, I just, and what's really funny to me is when I look at all three of those movies, those are his three, like, you know, what he calls his hangout movies. Yeah. Those are the three movies that he makes where what makes them great is that you're just hanging out. Mm-hmm. With these characters. Mm-hmm. There's, it's not really, it's not a lot of work. I know, which is weird to, because to, I don't see it that know, way really. Yeah. I know, that's why I said sometimes I, the kind of. And what I mean by it's not a lot of work isn't like on the part of the viewer so much as it's not a lot of work on the part of the plot. There's not a lot of plot that I, needs to be moved forward. And yet. I understand that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like, I still, for me, I don't know why that is such a like um like true definition or something mm-hmm. very definitive about certain movies because for me I'm like did you enjoy it is it a good time yeah. did it mean something to you cuz I took a lot away from certain things like that like I can care less how difficult or complicated or uncomplicated mm-hmm. the plot was yeah if it's a good movie and it spoke to me and it says something, who cares? Yeah. You yeah. know I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know the kind of movies I like, so you yeah. know I don't care. That's yep. why I was like, that's funny because when I see Jackie Brown, I see like this very like woman empowerment. Like and yeah. I and then I see like this very beautiful black woman, like yeah. oh, just uh doing her thing, like so beautiful and gorgeous and such a light that even white men want it. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I like that was just my take on yeah. it. But, like, I don't know where everybody else is seeing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was my take. So that says yeah. something else. So who cares about the plot or how complicated or uncomplicated yeah. it was? And that's the thing that I liked about... I think that's kind of the thing that I liked about... Um, I think for most other people, there is this thing about uh, enjoying the kind of, like narrative tomfoolery that he did for Mm, like kind of lack of a better way to express it like you know whether it was Reservoir Dogs and the fact that that one kind of bounces all over the place Mm -hmm. is non-linear or the fact that Pulp Fiction are these three stories that are all happening at you know slightly different times and so like yeah it's like you have like the John Travolta character dies in the second story but Mm -hmm. then the third story is it's still you know I think a lot of people really and then of course he brings that back in a huge way with Kill Bill yeah by killed. the way, you you talking about linear and nonlinear? I'm yeah. like, I have no, I do, but I don't have any clue. Yeah, like, yeah, what do you sort of mean by that? Yes, yes, but no, because yeah. I'm like, 
how do I not get it? Like, I'm better at math than you. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the nonlinear storytelling is just, you know, it doesn't take I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But, like, um, but, like, he... I think a lot of people enjoyed that. And then, of course, when he does Kill Bill, it comes back in, like, this huge way where that movie is just a jumble in terms of his time. Yeah. It takes place all over in all these different periods. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, this chapter goes here and then this chapter goes way back in the past and everything. Yeah, but see, that's what and, I'm saying. Isn't a lot and, of his movies are like yeah, that? So, so that's all like, I, what? I think one of the things was, I think one of the things I find very interesting is that when he does movies like Jackie Brown, like Death Proof, or even recently with like some like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm -hmm. I see a lot of fans go like, oh, those are lesser works. Oh. And what? I think it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways that it's, it it seems to me that, you know, me in particular, like I, I heard Ben Mankiewicz ask him one time, uh, ask Quentin one time, he said, what do you think about somebody who says that Jackie Brown is your favorite movie? And Quentin had said, well, if I want to be snotty about it and just give you a hard time, I would tell you that means you don't really like my movies. And he was like, but if I'm being honest, it's, it, it's probably that you really love hanging out with those characters. And that's why it's your favorite. Mm -hmm. And it's literally none of those things. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think that's a very, very interesting thing that that is by and large his experience yes. with, you know, like, Dealing with the critics, with his own with characters, and with hardcore. his own, yeah. yeah. And, so it's so funny because I have a totally different yeah. outlook on his own movie than he does for yeah. that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, yep. I don't see myself as just liking to hang out with those characters. Yeah. That's not what I saw from that. Yeah, that is actually not characters I would actually like to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. So I don't like that's that's why I said that goes over my head. Yeah, I don't I don't really see that that way. That goes yeah. over my head. Like I really see them. I really saw a really great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And I saw this woman trying to get out of this this really bad mm -hmm. entanglement. Yeah. Like, really kind of crazy, wild entanglement. Yeah. I, I did not see this. So, I'm telling you, if I knew people like that in real life or I was in a yeah. situation like that, that is not characters I would like to hang out with. Now, and also, I even watching it being separate from it. I don't like... Yeah. How are any of those characters anybody you would like to hang out with? What happened in that story? I was yeah. like, they're cool. I yeah. want to hang out with them. I mean, Jackie, I would like to hang out with. And Robert Forrester's character, no. maybe a little bit. But like, they were, yeah. No, they were about business. That's yeah. why I was like, I was like, no, that, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. These are confused. The, characters I would like to hang out yeah, with. Yeah, so actually, that was the movie I was about to bring up because I was going to say that he oftentimes talks about his quote unquote hangout movies, you mm -hmm. know, like the kind of like subgenre that he puts you know, a couple of his movies in. He often categorizes Jackie Brown Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as being kind of part of that to some degree. Mm -hmm. Jackie Brown in particular, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he tries to kind of say like, but it's still my revisionist history movie mm -hmm. to like, also, it's a hangout movie, but it's kind of not, <laughs> it elevates it or whatever. I mean, and, Brad Pitt's hang, he, I mean, he literally <laughs> hangs out the whole does. movie, but and I don't know. To me, a hangout movie to, is, if, would I, you got to ask, yeah. me that's watching like what I like to hang out with those characters no so it's fun yeah. they look, it looks fun watching them but what I like to hang out yeah. no so, for <laughs> so me, I don't know they're hangout movies for me of the movies that he talks about that he says are hangout movies there is one that is always 
very, to me, evidently missing, yeah. which is Death Proof. Yeah. Because Death Proof is the one movie that he has made that does remind me a tremendous amount about a movie that he brings up quite a bit mm-hmm. that you just brought up, which is Days and Confused. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think this movie is the closest one that he has done to Days and Confused. Yeah. In the sense that whether it's the first group of girls mm-hmm. or the second group of girls, those are some cool chicks that I would love yeah. to hang out with. Yeah, but like, the situation they're in, no. The situation, yes, because no. it's still going to have that... Exactly. It's still a slasher movie at the but end of the they, day. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying about hangout movies. Yeah. You have to clarify what hangout movies are, in yeah. my opinion, because... Something like Days can confuse. Nothing happens in that movie yeah. other than people actually hanging out and having a good yeah. time. There were some brawls. There were a few little fights because yeah. they're young, immature kids. Yeah. But what about any other situation that you've named yeah. has been something you wanted well, to hang like, out in? I, I think by and large, it's like, you know, hangout movies, I think by and large, kind of end up with that kind of tag. Whether, you know, and I think it's mostly, in my opinion, you can mostly put kind of teenage movies in there whether it's yeah. fast times or mm-hmm. you know uh, uh days and confused mm-hmm. like you know you can put a lot even something like you know the giant Depp movie cry baby i would consider to be a bit of a hangout movie okay so and let's name some more adult films what so do you like, think are some of the hangout well actually films? that's what's kind of interesting to me is that when you look at days and confused despite it being a teenage movie about teenagers it was actually released as kind of an adult film, as was Superbad. Mm-hmm. Both of those were actually released yeah. as kind of See, adult movies. See, those are hang out because there's not but much that happened other than little petty things. And now, think, me ending mm-hmm. up involved and someone trying to kill me yeah. is not a hangout movie yeah. because someone's trying to kill me. And I think that the the big thing that you take away from those movies are that like those are movies that you love to put on and watch those characters hanging out while you yourself are hanging out. I guess. Is and that like, what you call that? that? That is, by and large, how I take that genre. Okay. okay. It, and it's like, I mean, obviously, with genre, there are very few specifics around But then it, right? I'm very because, biased about that then because... Yeah. I mean, all of it's very subjective, right? Yeah, it's because, very subjective because, like, think about it. How would you know what kind of hangout movie it actually is unless you saw the whole thing. Yeah. So when I see the whole thing of a movie and the end of it ends up in somebody chasing them and almost trying to murder them, no, I don't think it's a hangout movie. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. I got to watch the whole thing to even think that. Yeah. And no, I don't think yeah. that because I don't want to... It's not... How can it be hangout for me if I mm-hmm. end up in that situation? Yeah. That's not a hangout. I'm running for I, my life. That's not yeah. a hangout. I think... Hangout is cool breeze. <laughs> yeah. Cooling with the wind. Yeah. Nothing dang not nothing too dangerous can hurt you and happen. Yeah. It's a chill like hangout day, yeah. whether it's adult or child. Like it's cool. And Th- from, that those were dangerous situations. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, it comes down to like, are these characters that I want to spend my time with? No. And like what I what happens and, and I don't mean like situation. and I don't mean like in real life. <laughs> I know, I'm being literal, but I'm just saying <laughs> I mean in the context I of get it. putting on the movie, <laughs> are these characters that I enjoy going back to and actually spending time with, like in terms of like within the story? I guess not. And like for, for me, me Yeah, and it's like for me, like it's one of those things where you could say I don't actually like doing that. But yeah. then if that's what that movie kind of caters to and it's something that I do enjoy or vice versa, then in my opinion, it still constitutes as a hangout movie. Okay. It's just not a movie that yeah. I particularly like to hang out with. Yeah. But it still constitutes that way. I guess. That's because, why I said that's, I mean, that's different for me because 
it's almost like you said, it's subjective. To that means to mm-hmm. each his own. So yeah. how can I classify it yeah. as a hangout movie if I don't think it's hanging and, out? <laughs> and I think that like you know, a lot of times what it comes down to when you're looking at stuff is that you know it, it it's also about like how overarching is the actual plot of the story? Which it, is very overarching of, if you really think it, about it. Just think about kind, it. Mm-hmm. He was he had been following them yeah. from the beginning. One of the girls saw him mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. the tone changed in that. You remember in that small section, the yeah. music, the tone changed? Mm-hmm. No, it's not a hangout. <laughs> yeah. Well, I enjoyed the movie thoroughly. Yeah. And I only enjoyed it because the entire film, not because yeah. I thought some of it was a hangout and then it turned into a slasher. Yeah, it's like, for me, like what it is, is I think that what he did that was very, very smart was that he took the very, very strict structure of the slasher genre, mm-hmm. which that very strict structure, you know, even if you look at something like Halloween, if mm-hmm. you look at something like Black Christmas, they all have that exact same, just like basic structure yeah. of get to know this small group of kids. Yeah. But killer right, comes but in. Do you see that as a hangout though? Well, so this is what I think he did that was different. Okay. Is the general structure is get to know this group of kids Killer comes in, kids die. The end. Okay. That's the general structure. Yeah. What he did that I thought was very, very smart was he said, let me take like that Days and Confused style hangout movie Mm -hmm. and make that the get to know these kids section. Yeah, I get it. It's not 10 minutes of Laurie Strode saying she likes a boy and then Michael Myers shows up and then that's the next hour. I know. I get it. It's not that. It's like, no, we're actually the killing themselves themselves are only going to last for four or five minutes yeah which it did it only last it but was, it's it, the until leading. the second chase of course yeah. but then that's a different movie altogether exactly but <laughs> it's the leading to you already knew what was happening like, yeah that's what i mean like i already knew if i know the whole movie now yeah after watching it i i that's all i'm saying is i can't say mm-hmm. it's a hangout movie. Uh, well i know I, the whole plot like i know now Mm-hmm. what it's leading to i know why he was there i know yeah. why he was stalking them so and it's I, not a hangout movie i me. think like the thing that makes it very interesting to me that i really quite enjoy is the fact that maybe i'm just too simple i don't know <laughs> <laughs> the thing that i really really enjoyed about it that i thought was very very smart was the fact that in the like the first time you see the movie, mm-hmm. you don't really necessarily... You know that something's happening. Mm-hmm. You know that Kurt Russell's character is the bad guy because of the trailer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you're kind of like, I don't really know where any of this is going. Yeah. And then when he kills Rose McGowan, you're kind of like, okay, so this is not good. Yeah, I mean, and but even he, before, he was already creepy before. He was creepy, but there was really nothing necessarily saying that this is definitively what was going to happen. No, it was. Outside of, like I said, having just seen the trip. <laughs> the music. But, they kept switching out every time. You remember in the beginning when she saw his mm-hmm. car. Yeah. To me, that was the first telling. Yeah. When she saw his car and she yeah. was standing outside smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And he was just lingering there. He's a yeah. lingerer. Lingerer. And then he just jets out, and the tone of the film was completely different. Yeah, because after he jet out, then it was back to like yeah, yeah. But there was a moment where it tells you what this is about. Yeah, and it's like all of the pieces are there. But the thing that I think is very interesting that I thought was very smart was the fact that whether you walk into it going like, okay, this is what's going to happen or not. Yeah, 
there is still that element of uncertainty with it until everything is definitely confirmed. I guess. The thing that I think is very, very cool that he did that I think is very interesting is the fact that you actually get to know those girls in such a way that you genuinely get to become part of their little posse as an Mm -hmm. audience member. You get to become part of their Mm -hmm. friendship. What's interesting to me about that is it adds a new layer to a lot of hangout movies that weren't, that are never ever there, which is there's an element of tragedy that hangs over that first section. Mm -hmm. That first section, there's this element of kind of like, I love hanging out with these girls, but I hate that I know what's going to happen. And that's every rewatch. Yeah, I guess. But like, I don't know how I've always seen it is (laughs) to me is hanging out is when things don't get too deep and serious. I mean, yeah, sure. But it's like, so death (laughs) and murdering is yeah. But I mean, that's, that's like, but I just mean in the sense of, knowing what those girls are about to go. So mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, I took it like a slasher movie. Yeah. When I first saw it, and it now definitely, it definitely it's just is. like, just a cool thing. But yeah. like when I first saw it, I was just like, no, y'all drinking so much. Yeah. Y'all are not watching y'all surroundings because that's yeah. how I'm thinking. Yeah. Because I know as a woman who that has been to many of bars yeah. and clubs and went out and drank. And then people don't always have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Like they don't always, some people are predators. That's yeah. what he is. That's yeah. what he was. Yeah. He's a predator. He was looking for things. Yeah. He's looking for victims. Like he, he was looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like for me, no, that's why I said I can't see it. I, I, I literally saw it. It's like, dude, like y'all stop drinking so much. Yeah. Pay attention to what is going on around you. Yep. I get that y'all are in a group, mm-hmm. but all y'all can still die. Yeah. That's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. Not to say that doesn't mean I don't think it was a cool film. I think yeah. it was awesome or else we wouldn't be talking about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. But can I say a hangout movie for me? That's why I said no. Yeah. And like, that's fine. And that's fair. But it's <laughs> like at the end of the day, like when I do look at it, when I look at like, what are all of the tenets of the hangout? Yeah. Film, and that's what I was it, asking. I was like, it, what is it, that? I mean, like, it's exactly that. It's a bunch of people hanging out. I there's guess, there's yeah. not like a strict plot around why. They're hanging out. Got it's you. just that they're together. Okay. They're just, they're just well, I guess and, it's a hangout movie because that's not so, how I define it. And so, like, it's one of those things, right? Like, if you look at, like, something like Days and Confused, Days and Confused, there's not really a strict plot around why everybody's that. You can say... Yeah, you I can. Mean, it, I mean, it's you... A, it's in I, school. It's well, it's like, I was going to say, you can get into incidentals look, about their in the life. Look, in the music school, <laughs> summer. And it's like, you can get into <laughs> incidentals about their life. Yeah. Which is... Like, at a certain point, like, that's what I think is really interesting about Hangout movies, is that Hangout movies, by and large, do move into this point of semantics. You can say, they're all in school, so that's the plot. But Mm -hmm. is it really? No, not really. Mm -hmm. Because a plot is three acts with an inciting incident that moves the story forward, right? Like, in terms of where you're talking about But it's still all about school, because if you really think about it, the first scene was about them getting out. (laughs) Yeah. The second scene was about what they're going to do on their... Yeah. first day of summer because yeah. technically right after school you're mm-hmm. i mean technically that is your first night of summer that's yeah. your first afternoon sure. or evening yeah. of summer what do you do and part of that second plot was also what who 
how does mm-hmm. this define me moving into the next school year once it comes? Because mm-hmm. think about it. They were getting hazed on the mm-hmm. last day of school. Who gets hazed on the last day of school mm-hmm. so they can be somebody on the first day of school mm-hmm. the next semester? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, yes, and, it was surrounded. Well, it's like, but again, like, that's when it starts getting into, like, just a battle of semantics. semantics I guess. It's, it's just sort of like you're looking at it going, but yeah, but this is all plot. But you're like, but is it really? Because there's no, there's no setup with an inciting incident. There's none of that. It's literally just following these characters in their uh, uh, just so kind I, of yeah, like I said, life. I guess that means, hang, and, but I, I do see that as a hangout movie. Yeah. And, and so I'm hanging out. That's, They're doing nothing serious or important yeah. or life threatening or yeah. life too life changing. Yeah. It's, it's a hangout movie for me. And so I'm shooting I, the shit. It's yeah. a hangout movie. And so <laughs> I think that's part of it, right? Is that like, that's really all that a hangout movie boils down to is, is it just a bunch of people sitting around shooting the shit? Yeah. And if it is, then it doesn't really matter whether or not there are all these ancillary things around oh, it. Because well, okay. what ends up happening but is then, murder ancillary? Well, what I mean by like ancillary things happening around it is if all of a sudden you decide to introduce a plot point at a certain point in the movie, there are two different reasons why this is going to happen. Either you're a bad filmmaker that needs a way to end your movie. Or you're somebody that kind of understands the genre and decides to play with it. Yeah. Which is exactly what Quentin does, okay. right? Like, I mean, even if you go back and look at some of his earlier movies, like, I mean, you know, look at Reservoir Dogs, he's playing with the heist. Yeah. He does a heist movie where you never see the heist. Okay. With Pulp Fiction, he's playing with the most basic noir structures ever. Yeah. What I think is interesting when he gets to Jackie Brown is he goes, I'm going to make a hangout movie that's a black exploitation movie that also ends as an Elmore Leonard movie. Okay. novel that i'm adapting okay i'm not really gonna follow anything yeah. but i am gonna play with these general ideas and i think that he sets that movie up exactly that way okay he sets it up where it's like it's just ordell shooting the shit with a bunch of people mm-hmm. and then you meet jackie and something kind of happens then we can all i'm saying like, is that mean we can put a lot of Movies in that category. I, like, there are a fair... Because, I mean, uh, to me, one of the most interesting ones is one that we just quoted because it is both a Hangout movie, a Quentin Tarantino ripoff, and a, like, just one of Judd Apatow's most purest, like, go get em kind of movies that he produced, which was Pineapple Express. Mm-hmm. Pineapple Express is a total Hangout movie yeah. that is filled to the brim mm-hmm. with action and bizarre mm-hmm. stuff happening from beginning to end that yeah. is such a mess yeah. and it's such chaos and is so all over the place. Yeah. But it's a fun movie to hang out and mm-hmm. watch. And I think that's the thing that's very interesting. I feel the exact same way about Death Proof. Okay. This was... movie is chaos. Okay. It is true chaos. Okay, so that's the hangout it's movie. It's all over the place, but I can really hang out and watch this movie. We oh. watched this movie pretty much twice in a week oh, we did. <laughs> more or less <laughs> and i still didn't see that as hanging out though yeah and but i i saw it as a okay so maybe that's why i said i'm just like maybe you're right we're just getting into semantics because i'm like no but i just like the film i i don't know if i defined that to me as yeah. hanging out with them yeah yeah i watched it i like it yeah but did I define that as a hangout movie so that's why i was trying to understand because I, I i can be literal with these things i'm yeah. like so what is the hangout purpose? Is yeah. it for me or is it them and me yeah. wanting to hang out with them? What makes it a That's what yeah. I was saying. What makes it a hangout well, movie? I think this is also <laughs> one of the interesting things that makes his films in particular very fascinating to me. Is that he is so stringently defined by genre. Yeah. 
he's like, no, I'm making a bunch of guys on mission movies. So I make Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. but it's my version of that. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, same thing. He's like, I'm doing a slasher movie, but it's my version. And the thing that I think is very, very interesting is that when you really, really boil genre down, genre is something that is created to sell a movie that is at the end of the day, completely subjective to the audience member who sees the film. You're right. Because so there are plenty I guess of movies. That means I'm just going to agree to and, disagree yeah, because the, it's because, very subjective. I mean, and to me, I think that this movie actually fits into the ultimate genre okay. that is completely subjective, which is horror. Yeah. We can all call a movie a horror movie because it's an easy way to reference the film. Yeah. But you could very well tell mm-hmm. me that movie was not scary at all. No, it was it boring and I fell asleep. Oh, God, and then yeah. I could tell you about whatever same movie. Got I could you. end up saying that movie scared me. Yeah. I couldn't get to sleep. That was like just I've never watched that one yeah, again. Yeah, I get it. It's completely subjective because yeah. you can end up going and watching one horror movie and say that was the scariest thing so I what ever are saw. You debating about me, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and I can go and see the same thing and say that it was yeah. a comedy to me. Yeah. So that is one of the things I think is very interesting is mm-hmm. how much he as a filmmaker defines himself by the genre that he's working within. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, you have two different people that see the quote-unquote genre he's working within completely differently. You know, you're right. You're right. And that, to me, is something very, very fascinating yeah. about the way that you can look at his movies. But also... I know, look how we just argued <laughs> the semantics for, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> we argued for 30 minutes. <laughs> well, really quickly, we can get into a little bit about the movie itself. Okay. So, um, the whole thing originated, like, you know, the, this whole thing originated because... Uh, Rob Rodriguez had gone over to Quentin Tarantino's house and he saw a poster for a double feature sitting up against Tarantino's wall or on his floor or something. There was a um, a double feature uh, poster for two movies from AIP, Rock All Night and Drag Strip Girl. Mm -hmm. Um, Rock All Night was actually written uh, by Charles B. Griffith, who funnily enough, when you look at the Death Proof screenplay, Mm that movie is actually dedicated to Charles B. The script is actually dedicated to Charles B. Griffith, mm-hmm. who was screenwriter of Rock All Night and also of uh, uh, Death Race 2000. Two movies that are definitely references to Death Proof, but also definitely movies that he talks a lot about. Yeah, And so they sat down and just hatched this idea really quick. We should do a double feature. That would be a lot of fun. Rodriguez had just done Spy Kids 3D just for fun. Because he remembered 3D movies. And he was like, what else can I bring back? And then he thought about double features. That was something I grew up with. He was like, we should bring that back. But we should do trailers in between. But you can't do contemporary trailers. And nobody else is making movies like this. So what are we going to do? And they came up with the idea. We'll just hire our friends (laughs) to come in and do fake trailers. So you end up with the Robert Rodriguez directed Machete trailer. Mm-hmm. A mexploitation movie starring Danny Trejo, in which he is a a guy that pretends that he's a day laborer, but is really a hitman. Yeah. <laughs> and we actually got the feature film yep. versions of these, which I'm so happy we got, yeah. even though they're completely ridiculous. <laughs> and then uh, you also had um, uh, the trailer for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. uh, by directed by Eli Roth, which is now actually becoming a feature film oh, that'll be it? out this thanksgiving that's wild <laughs> um and then you also had uh uh werewolf woman of the ss directed mm-hmm. by rob zombie 
and then which um, I'm very fascinated by the fact that he said that when he actually put that footage together initially, he had like a 45 minute movie mm-hmm. and was trying to get them to give him mm-hmm. like an additional few hundred thousand dollars so that he could just make it a feature. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, no, we don't really have time. I would love to see the feature film mm-hmm. version of that, which features Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. Yeah. I would adore seeing Nicolas Cage playing Fu Manchu. But, yeah. uh, and then of course we had Edgar Wright doing Don't, which is one of the funniest ones, yeah. in my opinion, of that group of trailers. <laughs> um, there was also an interesting Edgar Wright uh kind of like side thing with this movie too um but so anyway they they had this idea to do a double feature and then rodriguez had planet terror and tarantino had death proof Mm -hmm. to me death proof through and through starts with thinking about the cast of the movie okay and i think that this was an unbelievable and extraordinary cast Mm -hmm. starting with of course kurt russell is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home Fair lady, your chariot awaits. You've been eavesdropping? <laughs> eavesdropping and can't help it here. I think I belong in the latter category. So, uh, icy hot. You offering me a ride home? I'm offering you a lift. If when I'm ready to leave, you are too. And when are you thinking about leaving? Truthfully, I'm not thinking about it. When I do, you will be the first to know. Will you be able to, uh, drive later? I know looks can be deceiving. But I'm a teetotaler. I've been drinking club soda and lime all night, and now I'm building up to my big drink. Which is what? Virgin Pina Colada. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is (laughs) said by Kurt Russell. You remember when he sits down and he's like, butterfly. (laughs) And then he recites the poem outside after they were like inside for a while. He had to explain... To um, uh, what's her name? Rose McGowan's character. Yeah. He had to uh, like explain to her that he's like a stuntman, yeah. and she was like cowboy, and he was like so. Yeah, offended. she asked him if he was giving her cowboy wisdom. Yeah, and he was like, "I'm not a cowboy." Yeah, he said he's a stuntman. <laughs> stuntman. And so after all that happens, and then she also tells Butterfly the whole situation mm-hmm. of why like she needs to. Like, understand what is going on tonight yeah. if a bunch of men walk up to her and recite that poem. Yeah. And then he recites it outside later when they're just, like, sitting outside. Yeah. And he pulls out this little old address book, yeah. which a lot of us is so funny because then we used to have, before we could yeah. save things in our phone, Yeah, we had address books. Yeah. <laughs> and it's new. Reminds me of that. Yeah. He opens and he said, I have you under here. Yeah. And I have you under he, chicken shit. Yeah, because he <laughs> breaks into a full fledged John Wayne impersonation. Yeah. And says, You, you know, know what people say. <laughs> yeah. He goes, You know how people say, You're all right in my book, or in my book, that's no good. <laughs> well, I actually have a book. And now that I've met you, you're going, going in the book. book. Ladies. Cheers, Butterfly. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep. And I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Did you hear me, Butterfly? Miles to go. 
before you sleep. Sorry, stuntman Bert. Mike. Mike. Shardy broke off that dance. Is that true? Did I miss my chance? Do I frighten you? Is it my scar? It's your car. Ah, yeah, I know. Sorry. It's my mom's car. Have you been following us? <laughs> no, but that's what I love about Austin. It's just so damn small. You've seen us go before? I saw him outside of Guero's. And I saw you outside Guero's, too. You saw my car, I saw your legs. Now, look, I ain't stalking y'all, but I didn't say it wasn't a wolf. So you really weren't following us? I'm not following you, Butterfly. I just got lucky. So? How about that lap dance? Sorry, it was a one-time only offer, and she did it earlier this evening at Antone's. No, she didn't. How do you know? I'm good that way. And you look a little too shade. What's too shade? Wounded slightly. Why should I be wounded? Because you expected guys to be pestering you all night, but from your look, I can tell nobody pestered you at all. That kind of hurt your feelings a little bit, didn't it? There are few things as fetching as a bruised ego on a beautiful angel. So, how about that lap dance? I think I'm gonna have to give you a rain check. Well, since you'll be leaving in the next couple of days, that rain check will be worthless. But that's okay. I understand if I make you uncomfortable. You're still a nice girl. And I still like you. But I must warn you of something. You know how people say, you're okay in my book, or in my book, that's no good. Well, I actually have a book. And everybody I ever meet goes in this book. And now I've met you, and you're going in the book. <laughs> Except, I'm afraid I must file you under chicken shit. Probably like one of the things that we quote more than almost anything else. <laughs> almost more than any other movie. Uh, I mean, yes. Maybe the second, mostly. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> it, I think it's the second. Because the first thing is like Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Bane's well, I do character. like Bane yeah, stuff. So outside of like Bane, it's definitely yeah. Kurt Russell. Yeah. <laughs> and Death Proof. Because <laughs> you did have the, the interesting thing about this movie is that we end up with two separate sets of girls. Yeah. And so our first set of girls, we have, you know, Sydney Portier, uh, Jordan Ladd. Mm -hmm. We have. Um, uh, Mary Elizabeth. Was, Mary, well, no, Mary Elizabeth Weinstein was with the second group. Oh, that's I thought you were. That's what you were calling out. Sorry. And um, uh, Vanessa Ferlito. Yeah. And then of course Rose McGowan. Mm -hmm. And then for the guys, we of course had Eli Roth and Omar Doom. Mm -hmm. And so, like for that first group of girls, I always thought it was very interesting that 
you know, they kind of come in and they, they, they're immediately, we're just sort of like enraptured yeah. with them and their whole entire story and everything. And, you know, Sydney Portier comes in as Jungle Julia. Yeah. And we kind of know that Vanessa Ferlito is kind of the main yeah. character. She's sort of introduced that way to some degree or another. Yeah. Yeah, because to some degree, the main focus was on her. Well, the, Even the though, first shot in particular, because the main focus was on her feet yeah. on the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of feet in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> a little, you know, little, you know, booty, a little uh, derriere. A lot, yeah, a lot of feet, feet you know? and a lot of ass. Yeah. Like, it was, it was definitely, yeah. it was an F and T movie. <laughs> I mean, what? an F and A movie instead what? of a T and A movie. That's what I was going to say. What? Movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely an F and A movie, a, uh-huh. a, a feet and ass movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That is true. But like, um, so it's like we, but you know, uh, on initial sight, when they first kind of start up, of course, the first girl that we see in full is Jungle Julia. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of like, oh, maybe she's our main character. Of course, we very quickly realize, no, it's. It's actually this other girl. Mm-hmm. And she is, of course, the first one that we're with when she starts noticing yes. Stuntman Mike, played by Kurt Russell, lurking about. Yeah, yeah. And she is also the one that Jungle Julia mentions, you know, I've put this thing out on the radio. Yeah. Like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, who asked him, is Butterfly your real name? Um, the... Uh, didn't Kurt Russell ask her that? Yeah, right. Yeah. And then okay, that's not making sure. Uh, yeah, Kurt Russell. She was like, "Yeah, but it, it wasn't right." That's just what they. No, called no, no, her. no. Her real name is Arlene. Yeah, Arlene. Yeah. So I was like, okay, okay. And so you you have this first group of girls, and of course it ends in absolute tragedy. Mm-hmm. Now within these those first group of girls, you also have what, in my opinion, is like the other best part of this movie, which is the soundtrack. Yeah. You have most, you have kind of, to me, the best pieces of the soundtrack happen around them. Yeah. Just because they're partying, you know, it's like (laughs) the second group of girls, it's like you replace the soundtrack with high octane action. Yeah. Through and through. Mm -hmm. But like with that first group of girls, you get Last Race with Jack Nietzsche opening the soundtrack. You also get Hold Tight by uh, Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. (laughs) <laughs> which they are also the same ones that did um, a song called Last Night in Soho, mm-hmm. which became the title of the new Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. And that was, by and large, kind of it started around this same time. So okay. it was kind of interesting how many movies came okay. out from all of these different filmmakers. Mm-hmm. That the genesis was all around the same time. Yeah. And then, of course, Baby It's You by Smith. Yeah. Which you have the amazing scene of uh, uh, Sydney Poitier whipping her hair around yes. to that song <laughs> yes. as it's playing on a jukebox. Yes. The the um, thing that I think is really interesting that we had pointed out as we were watching the movie is the fact that in that scene when they're in the bar, when you see Eli Roth and Omar Doom kind of split off mm-hmm. and go over to the bar, they're sitting next to Stuntman Mike, who's killing some nachos, which we killed some nachos earlier tonight. <laughs> yes, we did. In honor of. <laughs> in honor of this film. <laughs> you see them over there, he's killing those nachos, but then they start talking about, oh man, we're going to up it to Jaeger shots. Mm-hmm. And we're going to like really, really get these girls. And you kind of very quickly realize that it's like, it doesn't matter whether it's them or stuntman Mike 
somebody that night, some man that night is going after them. Yeah. To some degree or another. Yeah. Which is a fascinating thing to put into the middle of this movie. Yeah, I mean, but it's yeah, but isn't that how it works? It's mm-hmm. like there's someone looking for something. Yeah. So even if that person misses you, it's always gonna be somebody. Yep. <laughs> and that is that is the kind of layer that normally is missing yeah. from a slasher movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course those girls meet a horribly tragic end to the tune of Hold Tight. Yeah. Um the first time that you saw that crash, and I mean, still when you see that crash, it's effective, but the first time that you saw that crash, like, how did you end up reacting to that? Are you serious? <laughs> it's cringe. It's it is. Cringe, man. It is. Like, you see a whole leg. You see, yeah. <laughs> because you know she was hanging her leg out the window. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then you just see it, like, detach from her body yeah, and, and hit the fly road. into yeah. the air and then hit the rose flat. Yep. And then you see the car tires. That was one of the most exciting to me. Was <laughs> like just roll over Butterfly's face. Yeah, when when the tire actually got stuck for a split second. On yeah, her face. it was like <laughs> like that, almost that like was, it stuck in the dirt. Yeah, in the mud. Yeah. It was just like <laughs> that was know. that was the part that to me was the most kind of like oh, oh yeah oh that was rough that was terrible that one was pretty bad it was brutal it, it was, was very brutal it was yeah. Of course, then we fade back in and we have... Um, a second group of girls. <laughs> a second group of girls. And right before that, we have like a brilliant little moment with Michael and James Parks. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're right. Yes. <laughs> Where they I, I essentially are playing their characters from both from Dusk Till Dawn and Kill Bill. Yeah. And you have... Michael J. Parks give that great line where he's, uh, or Michael Parks give that great line where he says, oh yeah, it looks like a goddamn giant. Shoot him up and spit him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he said a little bit like mumbling, yeah. like little closed mouth mumbling. You can still tell he was saying, but it was just like this really deep like South Country slang. It, it was, was. Just like <laughs> yeah, very like deep Texas. Deep Texas. <laughs> well, what we have here is a case of vehicle homicide. That old boy in there murdered them pretty little gals. I mean, he used a car, not a hatchet, but they did just the same. Well, what are you gonna do? Not a goddamn thing. The DA says ain't no crime here. There, one of them gals was swimming out the hall, floating on. Weed, an old hooper in there. He might clean as a whistle. Now, you actually think that he premeditatedly murdered them gals? Well, I can't prove it, but since thinking don't cost nothing, I can think it, and I do. Yeah, but Pop, he got pretty banged up himself. The hell yeah, he got banged up. Giant, damn, I mean, them pretty old gals, and they look like a goddamn giant. Shoot them up, spit them out. Then we go into our next group of girls. And, of course, the centerpiece, of it's uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, it's um, uh, Zoe Bell, Zoe Bell, who is kind of like the centerpiece yes, Rosario Dawson. of that, that whole entire thing. Because, of course, Zoe Bell is not only the one that they're picking up, yeah, but she's also kind of like the, the one that kind of ends up in the deepest danger. Out yeah. of everybody. And then, you know what he said about Tracy Tom's. Remember in yeah. the... And the um, what is not the commentary, but it was like a behind the scenes. Yeah, where he he so yeah, she comes in as like the female Sam Sam Jackson. Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which she definitely she did, her, yo. Her, not only her dialogue, but also her delivery. Yeah, her in that delivery movie is too. Sam Jackson's yes, delivery. <laughs> and so then they of course show up and their whole entire thing really truly descends yeah. into hangout movie territory. Yeah. Where we really are just like sitting in a car and sitting in a diner and sitting in front of a gas station with these girls. Mm-hmm. Just like doing monotonous they're just they're literally just hanging out yeah talking about guys like at least the first group of girls were had the goal of getting to gueros yeah so that they could meet up with but the other girls did have a goal it was just very different it it was very different yeah one of the things that i think was so cool is the fact that though this second group of girls totally mirrors the first one yeah and I thought that was a very interesting and very kind of hilarious. Well, that kind does of tell thing. you that he has a type. That he goes out <laughs> He after. does. He has types. He does. That he goes there because. And it's it's crazy when you think about it. He starts in Austin, mm-hmm. and then the second part is very obviously shot right down the street from the first part in Austin. But because the title card tells us it takes place in Lebanon, Tennessee, yeah, the second part takes place in Lebanon, Tennessee, yeah, and. But only because that of was, what his what his name says. He'll make damn sure that he doesn't. Dude, in Texas again. Yeah. Well, it's also a thing where it's like you realize that that's Stuntman Mike's whole thing. Yeah. Is that he's going to do this. Okay, I'm going to do this in Austin after I'm going to split. Yeah. And go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about that second section is the fact that it's so obviously Austin. It's still obviously still Texas. Yeah. But they're just like, we're going to put a title card here. It tells you it's Lebanon, Tennessee. And you're just going to go good. <laughs> yeah. I believe you. And that is like the ultimate AIP. Yeah. Like, just like Grindhouse movie <laughs> thing. It's like, if we put a title card up. It should be enough. You, you're going to know that's where you are. <laughs> even if you know for a fact it doesn't look like this. No. That's funny. That's <laughs> and we're going to find one house that has some trees around it. Yep. And we're going to say, this is the woods. Yeah. That's funny. That's <laughs> funny. The second group of girls, of course, when we meet up with them, they all work in the film industry. Mm-hmm. They are shooting a cheerleader movie mm-hmm. that Mary Elizabeth Wine said is one of the main yeah, characters, characters in to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a funny thing with that is that the end credit song, Chick Habit, mm-hmm. is actually from a cheerleader movie called I, But I'm a Cheerleader. Yeah. And so that's actually what it was originally Yeah, which from. is funny when you think <laughs> about it because... All the women that were hanging out together weren't all actresses. Remember, like one was no, the was stunt coordinator, her. then one was the stunt woman, and then, and then it was the actress, a, and then it was like a, a stylist. Was Dawson was hair and makeup. Yeah, she was hair and makeup, so she yeah. was a stylist. So, so they all like, just worked together. They, they all were worked just together. Buddies, yeah, but they weren't really all actresses. No, they, they weren't all actresses at all. Yeah, and they used the fact that she's an actress. Yeah, to get her to stay behind while they all go and test drive. The vanishing point car. No, I just, I don't know <laughs> if they use the fact that she's an actress. I think they just use the fact that she's very naive. Yeah. And she was the odd person out because she just happened to be asleep yep. while they negotiated who was going <laughs> to stay while they take a joyride in this car that they want to yep. take. I mean, they were stunt women. So, you know, it was the stunt women were the ones that wanted to take the car out for the they joyride. <laughs> and the hairstylist was like, no, no, you ain't leaving me this time. Yep. So you could tell they do this all the time because she was like, no, not this time. Yeah. So they left. The one who was obvious had no clue what was happening and was asleep. So she couldn't like say, no, I want to go too. So she got left. Yeah. (laughs) 
Don't go to sleep. The moral of the story. <laughs> Don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Because everybody you went to sleep died. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's not actually true. Yeah, but guess what? If something and Mike would have actually succeeded, she was she would have been the only one alive. Yeah, she would have. That's the crazy only thing. Only because they left her behind. Yeah, because to, they left her behind. Just to leave. Entertain so, this weirdo yeah this perverted creepy weirdo <laughs> just to entertain him and then also to leave some level of collateral behind yeah and that was one of the funniest things to me is like nobody would leave an id or just no. say like we're leaving our car no nobody would do that instead they're just like we're gonna leave a whole person replaceable look a whole person is not replaceable yep. no a different person not the same person they're yep. not they're not replaceable and so then <laughs> they get on the road and then you actually have the chase yeah and once you get into the chase, that was to me like the kind of like, it, like the icing on top for the yeah. whole entire movie. The yeah. fact that we're going to suddenly have a like 25 minute chase yeah, that starts with Zoe Bell yeah. jumping on top of a hood going, I'm going to play Ship's Mass. And then jumps on top of a hood and you realize that Ship's Mass is hold on to two belts while you were laying Flying on, the, on, a on the hood of a car yeah. as somebody drives faster and faster. Mm -hmm. The thing that made it so cool is the fact that as you're watching it, and I think like kind of with things like Mad Max Fury Road and stuff like that, we kind of take for granted the fact that like that was kind of like a comeback at that moment when he did that car chase because mm -hmm. people had kind of stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. They stopped actually making movies where you're really driving at 60 and 70 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And then here's a movie where they really just get Zoe Bell to get on top of a car. And they go like, we're going to go like 70, 80 miles an hour. And you're just going to hold on really tight to the hood of this car. Yeah. And then we're just going to go. And we're just going <laughs> to film it. And then she did it. And it was amazing. It was mm -hmm. unbelievable. But that, of course, leads us to the best Kurt Russell moment of the whole thing. Which is them shooting him. And him turning to a gigantic Yeah, baby! baby. <laughs> baby wound but you like murder women every day but like you're freaking out over a little baby wound like what 
It was a graze. It was. It was a graze. The bullet wasn't even all the way in his arm. It was a graze. No. Oh, no. So when you start seeing him out like that, you were like, yeah. no. That's when it became more, even more funny and hilarious. It was. And I started really, like, applauding. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of the things that it was one of the genius moves of the movie to me that you realize was always there inside of a slasher movie. Yeah. That nobody really ever taken advantage of, yeah. which is... In that first part when it is just a true blue slasher movie mm-hmm. that even like starts paying homage to Italian horror films with some of like the lighting and stuff, the fact that he they use the bird with a crystal plumage soundtrack, mm-hmm. like when he's taking pictures of the second set of girls and everything. Mm-hmm. You have all of the ephemera of a traditional slasher movie. And it definitely ends in that horrible tragedy on the first one where that violence is so gnarly yeah, and so disturbing. Yeah. And you're just like, ugh. And yeah. it just kind of breaks your heart, especially because you got to get to know these girls. You got to hang yeah. out with them for a day yeah. on their way to Guero's yeah. and then inside of Guero's <laughs> and now they're gone. Yeah. And it's just like, they never got to make it to the lake house. Nope. The girl's dad had to get a call yeah. that she never made it nope. because this guy smashed head on into them. Mm-hmm. And... It's obviously put on them because they were all drinking yep. and driving. And to me, the thing that I thought was so interesting about it was the fact that in the second set of girls, in the first set, you are totally revolted by the violence. And yeah. in the second set of girls, you are cheering it on. Yeah, because <laughs> that to it's, me all, is it's, one a, of it's those karma. It's things. like what he deserved. He actually deserved something far worse yep. than what they gave him. But that was a start. <laughs> yeah that was a start that was a start yeah and so i for, for me i thought that was like one of the coolest parts about it is yeah. the fact that they would turn the tables and also mm-hmm. have this set of girls be the ones that are just like uh-uh yeah i i one thing i didn't want to spotlight because every single time we watch it it always gets me is when they cut back in to uh tracy toms and you just see the tears Rolling down her yeah. eyes after Zoe gets thrown off the hood. Yeah, because that's like her, that's her homie. Like, she was just like, that was her homie. Like, she was just like, oh, no, we lost When you it. see Rosario crying, you're like, okay, this is not good. But when you see her yeah, the crying. the tough woman, the tough one. And that was like, that's that just what it really, really was. sold it. It was the fact that yeah. it was cut to Rosario. Then cut to Tracy. And I think in number, her name was Kim. It was Kim. Yeah. And it was like. Cut to her because to me she she was the more yeah she was the tougher one she, she was, was the one yeah. that was just like cuss up a storm being like yeah. girl you better sleep like <laughs> she just she was so she she had that just like that tough exterior and demeanor yeah and all of a sudden you saw her break down because she thought one of her friends was done yeah and she was dead yeah. <laughs> so she just saw her best friend like because I'm pretty sure if you were to even think about how could characters like that like even you know, connecting, you would think, yes. I mean, they probably worked on several movie sets together. Yeah. They, they've created a bond. Yeah. They both had this, like, adrenaline need for speed type of crazy, like, let's risk it all on some crazy stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, they shared a bond. Sometimes, you know, people share a bond, and even if it's not your bond, you might not always understand it, but you realize people share bonds in so many different ways. Yeah. And for her, that probably was the other, her heart was falling out. She yeah. was like, yeah, <laughs> like the other yeah. No, that, she was like, that is my side. Like, no, yeah. it's my road dog. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> and so you, you, 
like what the every single time I see that bit, I'm always just kind of like it breaks my heart. Even though I know Zoe's about to jump up and just go, I'm okay. Yeah, it still just breaks my heart every yeah. single time you see that, and that like really, really kind of can amp you up as an audience yeah. to be like, go get this dude. Yeah, and then of course when you see him, and he's just sitting there like you said with the alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> just crying about like no, you know, baby. No, no. And it was a graze. <laughs> it wasn't even like it didn't even like it didn't even. Pierce your flesh. No. It, like, scraped you. And, of course, it, you gotta love that he does, like, a full-fledged spit take <laughs> right before they slam into him. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was wild for him to stop, talk to the women, and go, that was fun, ladies. Yeah. As if any everybody was having a good time. Yeah. Their life was on the line. They don't know what the heck you were trying to do. Yeah. And you think they thought that was fun and yep. you thought that was smart that you could stop and say that to someone and think that they're not going to want to kill you afterwards? Yeah. You're wild, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was wild. That's why I was like, this dude is like out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who stopped somebody after you almost tried to murder them and yeah. said, good times, lady. Yeah. That was fun. Well, For who? <laughs> well, the thing that I loved even more is that then, of course, they chase him down. Yeah. And then once they chase him down, they finally get that moment right at the end where they get to flip his car. Yeah. And right after they flip his car, when they get out of the car, at first you hear this voice screaming out and you think it's them going like, wahoo. Yeah. And then Zoe rounds the car and you realize, no, it's Kurt Russell (laughs) literally screaming like in the highest (laughs) register that he can reach like a little girl. (laughs) That's funny. And then they walk her. And what I love is when they pull him out of the car and he goes, no, careful. My arm is broken. (laughs) Such a baby. Just trying you to kill smash these girls. Rose McGowan's face, her yeah. character's face, in like your like death yeah. mobile. Yeah. And <laughs> and what you you were such a baby for a graze and a broken arm. Yeah. Why do the people that love to hurt people the most can't stand to feel pain? Yeah. Isn't that a weird concept? It's, it's very hilarious to me <laughs> that like and what's funny is so I read through some of the script and him being like that is definitely not there. That it was definitely not like. Oh, so you saying like Kurt Russell added that? Kurt Russell that was a little bit of his own little like, flavor. It, it, like <laughs> the script has it as him pretty much just kind of being like, "Get it together, man. Get it together." Like, but it's sort of it almost reads kind of like a tough guy. Oh, kind of like just dealing with a bullet wound. Yeah. Then Kurt Russell comes in and just goes, "I'm gonna make this guy the biggest baby." Yeah. <laughs> And that made him even more like it added you, such an amazing oh, layer man, to that, that character. Made, to me, I hated him even more after that. Yeah, because I was like, you can't even take what you dish out. Yeah. So that made you even to me it made him even worse. Yeah. Because I could see somebody calling themselves a stuntman. Yeah. And then they get hurt. They get like knocked out, and they just like yeah. Yeah. No, he was a baby. Yeah. Stuntman, like what? You yeah. were a you were a stunt people get hurt all the time and you were a big baby. Yeah. That name does not fit. It no. is so what do yeah. you call it? Oxymoron? Yeah, it's like, oxymoron. It's like it's very <laughs> weird. It was yeah. like, what? Yeah. You're a stuntman, and yet you you cried over a graze and a broken arm. <laughs> <laughs> Those girls have more balls than yeah. you. Yeah, that's the thing that I love is that, like that's what it ultimately shows at the end of the day. Yeah, that's ultimately all that it shows is that, is that like you're just this big baby yeah. that just like went and 
in your mind, picked easy victims. Yeah. But the reality was is that at some point you were going to get a group of girls who... Were going to fight back. Yeah, they were going to fight back. They weren't drinking. Yep. They weren't nope. inebriated in any way. Nope. They weren't... They, they were completely and totally there. And they were and just they as... they were ready to fight back. Yeah, and, and they were just, just as... Cra- yeah, and they're just as crazy as you. Mm-hmm. And so they're not on a murdering kind of... No. Like... Spree, they're like they actually came back because you did something that totally violated them, yeah. and they were just those were real stunt women. Yep, that's why I, sometimes I look back at it when he calls the stuntman Mike. I was like, yeah, no, not yeah. really a stuntman. Yeah, you could tell he was one of those ones that called himself that, but wasn't really. Yeah, because though he had to deal with real stunt women and he could not handle them. Yeah, like they fought him back and he could not handle it. Yeah. I was like, what a baby. Yeah, he was. You're not a stuntman. man. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I think is very interesting also is, so this movie was the kind of first inkling of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That It started with Kurt Russell and his stunt guy sitting on set, and Quentin was looking at them and kind of realized that like this was probably one of the last things they were going to do together. Yeah. And that kind of started up this whole entire thing with him doing that movie. Mm-hmm. One thing I find very interesting, though, that I was thinking about kind of ahead of this was, do you think Stuntman Mike and Cliff Booth in that universe ever met? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? Cliff Booth would have <clears throat> annihilated him just like he yeah. did the the um, Bruce Lee character. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. He would have annihilated him but- even more than the Bruce Lee character. Yeah. But, like, do you think they would have actually fought each other or just, like, just hung out and had a couple of beers? No, just... I think Stuntman Mike would have ran away. Yeah. No, he, like, he would have ran away. Yeah. He would have talked all that mess. Yeah. Just like the Bruce Lee character did. Yeah. And I'm not calling that out on Bruce Lee. I mean, just yeah. the character in the film, that according to them, that's how he was. So, to see that happen, I think Stuntman Mike would have done the same thing. I think he would have met yeah. his, no, met his match. He would have. He would have met his like word. No, he's not even a worthy opponent. So I don't know what, how even to describe. I would have said match worthy opponent, but none of those are true. Yeah, he yeah. is way below that. Yeah. And I think he would have done like Bruce Lee character. I would think he would have met a stuntman that he was just bragging and saying all this mess to. And that man would have proved him wrong. Yeah. I think that's exactly how it went. Pretty much how the Bruce Lee character went. I think it would have been the same way if I'm honest. Yeah. No, I don't think they would have sat together and had beers. I, I, I really... Or, or should I say, maybe it would have started out that way. Yeah. But I think Stuntman might... I think his... I think him talking would have got him in trouble. I really get the feeling like Stuntman Mike, if he had met Cliff Booth, would have probably been like... Like almost like an awkward little kid around him, and almost came. Kind of, so, so, what kind of a car is that? And like the Cliff Booth, oh, like more intimidated. And, and the Cliff Booth would have likely just kind of looked at him like, "What is wrong with that dude?" Yeah. And walked away and never thought about him again. Maybe. And I get the feel like that's the kind of thing that would have just like I don't know, like really like just like sat with no, something in Mike. But you, you know, know why I say that? Because it seems like some men like that like they have something to prove. That's why yeah. he went after women. Yeah. That's why he went after vulnerable women. Yeah. So when I see stuff like that, I was like, no. But I mean, you think about it. He didn't go after other men. But it's like, you think about like when they would have first met, Stuntman Mike likely would have been a little bit younger than Cliff, if not about his same age. Yeah. And And I think that's what I'm saying. To me, he would have been just as big headed. Matter of fact, Cliff is the one that probably would have made him feel like, 
basically tuck between his legs that's, and run. That's what I mean. And yeah. that's what probably made him <laughs> the little puppy boy killer that yeah. he was going after women instead of fighting other men. Like, Fuck. that's what I'm trying... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. I'm telling you, he's the catalyst. Yeah. Like, that's all I'm trying to say. I think Cliff Booth would have been the catalyst to him being even more of... He, him feeling like he's a failure. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm trying to say. I know yeah. I don't think they would have sat down and had a beer together. And yeah. if they did, that's how it would have started. Yeah. Yeah, but that's definitely not how yeah. it would have ended, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in my opinion. But that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. he didn't even I, he he barely acknowledged or had conversations with any of the men like that. Yeah, yeah. What are you like? No, I don't see. No. Yep. He barely acknowledged them. Yeah. He only was interested in killing the women. Yeah. He only went after women. To me, that sounds like somebody who has a little bit of a, you know. Deficiency. Yes, deficiency somewhere. <laughs> I'm sorry, it does. Yeah. It just seems like it does. So yeah. I I know I don't think him and Cliff would have had a conversation. <laughs> at least not a normal one. Yeah. I, I don't think it was normal at all. I, I also I what I think is kinda interesting is I think if you were to ask if Cliff were still alive when Stepman Mike got caught. I think if you were to go back to Cliff and say, do you remember this guy? You guys actually worked on something together. I think his answer would be no. And I think that that would burn Stuntman Mike even more in prison. And, and I believe that part of it, yeah. I believe that part because, because he Stuntman was Stuntman Mike would be the one that was like, I remember meeting you, though. Why don't you? Yeah, because yeah, Cliff was like, you're insignificant. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Look yeah. at all what we're saying that leads absolutely. Stuntman Mike down that oh, road. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All the things that lead him down <laughs> that dreadful, dreadful road. <laughs> In terms of um, Kurt Russell movies, is this like a favorite of yours? Definitely uh, one of my favorites. I think one of my favorites is actually um, the one with him and Goldie Hawn in it. Which one? Um, oh no, I was forget. It's when you remember she was the rich woman and she fell off the boat. Oh yeah, when that when, that wasn't Fool's Rush In. No, that uh, was not Fool's Rush In. Fool's uh, Rush In, I thought was like Matthew Perry and yeah, you're right, yeah, Selma um, Hayek or something. But I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, like it came out like late '80s, mid to yeah. late '80s. It was like I think it was mid to late '80s. Yeah, and it was Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, and she was the rich woman. Yeah, she fell off the boat and hit her head. Remember? Yeah, so she couldn't remember anything. Yeah. yeah, and so he was like, "No, wife." Gets her out of the hospital, yeah. brings her home, and turns her into like a house party. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, I actually like that movie. That was a, that was a fun movie. Yeah, I like that movie. So actually, it's crazy to say, but that was actually one of my favorite yeah. girls movies. I think one of my favorites of his is definitely uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Got you. But I'm also like, I mean, my 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 big Kurt Russell performance for me is of course Snake Plissken. Oh, really? And uh, Escape from New York. Yeah, that's Escape my, from New York. That's my big... Yeah. You know... I was never big into those. Yeah. Like, my dad and stuff was, Snake. but I was never big into those things. So, no, those are not my favorite. I was never big uh, into them. That was my favorite of his. I mean, I love him as McCready and The Thing as well. Yeah. But in particular, him as Snake Plissken. Yeah. You're a real asshole. So, my favorite one is the one with him and Goldie Hunt, and then yeah. this next. Yeah. <laughs> this, is next. this is definitely right there with it. You know, I think it's actually interesting. I I think that in I mean of course he did three with Quentin because he did this one he did 
Once Upon a Time, but then he mm-hmm. also did Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. I actually really, really love him in the Hateful Eight. Yeah, I think he's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, where he does show up and does basically just do a John Wayne impersonation. Yeah, the only you know he does a very silly one in this movie, <laughs> but he does a very serious one in the Hateful Eight. Does mm-hmm. a very good job with that. Yeah. Um, bringing up the Hateful Eight, of course, there is always this question around Tarantino with women when he's writing. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any opinions on a lot of stuff but i did have one question for you which is do you think tarantino is a good writer of women i think so yeah i definitely think so i cannot deny him that because think about it we were just talking about jackie brown yeah we were just talking about death proof and what happened yeah and especially the second part the the first parts were good too but like the the empowering women look what he did with kill bill yeah of course, yes, yeah. he is to me. So <laughs> I cannot deny that. When he's writing them hanging out and everything, like all of the, his female characters mm-hmm. hanging out and everything, mm-hmm. do you think that's well-written dialogue and well-written scenes between them? Yeah, because yeah. I think he, he sets it in the right space. Yeah. And I think that's all what matters to me when dialogue matters is that who's speaking it, how are they executing it, yeah. and like, and which, which frame, like what time frame, like how are they, like what time is it? Yeah. Like what is what does that look like? What does that world look like? Yeah. And yes, I think he does a very good job with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, How I, about you? Did you? Do you? I, yeah. I mean, I agree fully. Yeah. I I've never had a problem with the way that no. he writes female characters. I've always thought that his female characters are very interesting. I I've always really enjoyed them. I've always thought. I mean, you know, for me, of course, like that starts. You know, with Jackie Brown in the highest way because yeah, it's Pam Greer. Yes. And it's like, and I like, I've had a crush on Pam Greer since I first <laughs> saw her. And then you actually see her get to have the opportunity because a lot of people forget the fact that as much of an icon as she is, mm-hmm. if you go back and watch those early movies, she is really eking out her own little bits and pieces of yeah. space to try and give performances. Yeah. But she never really was actually put in a position where somebody said, you can take your time and just give me a performance. Yeah. Until Jackie Brown. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people forget that, like, we look at her in this certain way. But as an actor, as an actual performer, Mm -hmm. she never got that space in her career until that moment. Yeah. And when you think about it like that, you realize, like, that's somebody who really, really cares about these characters and the actors that yeah. inhabit them yeah, yeah. to be able to say like, I'm going to give you that when nobody else would have done that. Yeah. There was nobody else. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities. There was plenty of time that had yeah. passed for other people to have given her that kind of a role. Yeah. And nobody was interested in doing it until he came along. Yeah. And so when I look at that, when I look at the fact that he developed kill Bill specifically because Uma Thurman said that she thought that after Pulp Fiction, she was going to quit acting. Yeah. And he was just like, you're like the coolest girl I've ever met. Yeah. And this is the coolest job a person could ever have. Yeah. There's no way you're quitting acting. (laughs) And that he would develop a whole character around her that is more than just a character. That character became an icon. Yeah, I would say it's iconic. So, yeah, yeah, I don't... He literally took the most iconic Bruce Lee thing. Yeah. His Game of Death jumpsuit. (laughs) And then put her in a motorcycle version of that. Yeah. And made her her own level of icon. Yeah. That's what I said. So I was just like, if you ask me that, no, I don't know. Yeah, of course. I don't, I wouldn't think anything else. And and then like, even for me, like when it comes to somebody like, 
you know, I mean, he's got a lot of flack for Daisy uh, Domergu out of uh, the Jennifer Jason Lee character. Oh, okay. And the Hateful Eight. Yeah. And the fact that she's getting smacked around through the whole movie. Yeah. I, for me, personally, I kind of look at it and I'm just like, I think it would have been awkward within that movie for her to have been being treated like a lady, being the ferocious murderer that they're bring they're talking her up to be. Yeah, yeah. And then they're just kind of like, oh, but we can't treat you too bad. Yeah. That would have been kind of weird yeah. to me. And then like... And then sometimes, you know, not every movie... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just saying, not every movie is like, no, no one should ever... Like, yeah. We want to have stories. Yeah. And then the truth is, is that's not real life. Yeah. There's people that go through these all, women go yeah. through all different situations. That is not real life to think that every woman comes out on a story unscathed or untouched yeah. or, or like, yeah. that's not life. That, yeah. that is actually not real life. So I, I, I'm always weary of like yeah. people that talk about those things yeah. like that. And like every woman has to come out like, yeah, like yeah. overpowered They're you know, they're, you know, everybody that came after them or everybody that they're, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't, like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, cause that's not real life. Yeah. So why do you think every woman come out like unscathed and like, yeah, like they're superheroes. Not every woman is that character. Not every yeah. woman is in that situation. Yeah. So why can't we have yeah. a kind of multitude of stories being told about a multitude of of situations that women are in. Yeah. So I, I like so yeah, that's weird. It's a and, little weird all the time. And then it was the same thing with, you know, like Sharon Tate. To me, Sharon Tate is one of the best characters he's written. Yeah. And it's simply because I have been waiting through all of these films that Quentin has made, I've been waiting for the one movie where you finally get to see somebody. Yeah. Just living life, <laughs> like they're not talking. Yeah. They have no kitschy dialogue. No. There's nothing. It's literally just somebody goes and sits down in a movie yeah. and buys a book. Yeah, I've been waiting yeah. for his entire career since I first saw his movies mm -hmm. for him to get to that moment, and mm -hmm. then he does it, and he picked the perfect actor to do it. Yeah, with Margot Robbie. Yeah, and I think that that was amazing. So I've had no problems with the way that he's. I've had problems with some of his movies, but those are structural issues. Yeah. Those are issues with how he chose to end certain movies. Yeah. Like in particular, Django Unchained. Yeah. But like, those are other kinds of issues. Yeah. I have very little issue with like the way he writes his characters. Yeah, or like I don't. Yeah, no. Yeah. Anything else on, on Death Proof before we wrap up? No, this is an awesome it is. movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is fun and wise. So like, I, that's why I said instead of arguing semantics, let's yeah, agree to disagree, but at the same time, if you feel like it's a yeah, hangout I, film, I say go watch it and hang out. <laughs> I, I I say like the, this one. The thing that I really like about it the most is the fact that it contains like the same kind of layers as yeah. all of his movies, where you can actually have those kinds of debates yeah. around it. Yeah. But at the same time, this one is truly genuinely fun. Got you. As and you're right. disturbing it as it can be at times yeah. and as violent as it can be at times, this one is like a true thrill yeah, ride. It, it is. is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It is great seeing all of those actors together. Yeah. All of those actresses like getting their space to do their thing. Yeah. It is a very funny movie. Yeah. And it's one that like, I mean, we quote it all the time. We you know, love watching it. But like, to me, it is like a great, like, especially like now it's like turning summer and everything. It's a great summer watch. It is. And it's, it's, 
it's one more movie that gets us that much closer to finally doing a podcast about Days and Confused. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Because that is one of my favorite hangout movies. <laughs> I feel like, like that's the one that we've been leading up to yeah. for all of this time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, we hope that everybody listening goes and checks out Death Proof. I think right now it's on Tubi, actually, mm-hmm. so you can watch it very easily for free. Yes. And, um, yeah. We'll see you guys on the next one. I'm Scott. And I'm Brittany. And this is the Film Cafeteria. Bye.